Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, what are we going to be talking about today? What's on everybody's mind, except for all, <laughs> except for all the headlines of, of, you know, more serious things, I guess. But um, everybody's thinking about Fifty Shades of Grey and um, going to see it, a box office of over $90 million just this weekend alone. And, um, of course, that doesn't even count all the people, the millions of people who read the books. Um, but I, the reason why I want to talk about it, and I should tell you that um, I, when the book came out, I bought it and started to read it, and I, <laughs> because I started to read it because I knew I would be asked to comment about it, but I couldn't get further than about halfway through. The writing was just so awful. It was just painful, yes, <laughs> painful um, <laughs> for me to, to continue to read it. And I didn't want to be that masochistic. However, I have seen the movie twice. I saw it once before it actually came out in theaters and once again last night. So I am not at all against this movie. Um, I would encourage people to see it. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, however, my question today is, Fifty Shades of Grey, erotic fun or sexual abuse? And uh, my concern is that a lot of people who will go to see the movie will be tempted to engage in um, a form of BDSM um, and won't really be ready for it, won't really want to do it. Um, In particular, you know, I think the movie should carry a warning that says, don't do this at home. The... the, um, the lead man in the movie, um, Christian Gray, that's the name of the character, is this hot, you know, he's called hot numerous times, so is this hot, rich, um, successful, sexy, gorgeous um, man, all, all kinds of other attributes, suave, savvy, um, you know, a, a man that other men watching the movie will want to be like. So when Christian Grey goes beyond flying his uh, private helicopter and goes beyond, uh, walks out of his incredibly uh, luxurious home and and offices and so on, um, you know, there will be uh, men watching the movie who will want to, to go out and find a woman, or if they're in a relationship, make their woman, their current woman, uh, be submissive to them, just like Christian Grey wants Anastasia Steele, um, the, his love interest in the movie, um, to be the submissive to him, to his dominant. And so um, the question is, has the movie made you want to run out and buy some whips and find a partner who wants to play a painful erotic game. Um, you know, as I was starting to say, most guys would like to be like Christian Grey. And the the thing is that Anastasia Steele, and I'm going to do a uh, put them each on my couch because um, to try to go behind, go into their psyche, 
and make it not seem quite so glamorous and um, and just um, innocent and and you know fun filled, I guess, um, as it may have seen seemed to some people on the surface, um, because I believe that there is a lot of um, darkness lurking behind, uh, certainly lurking behind Christian Grey, and even problems in Anastasia Steele that make her go along with this. So, but in, in the movie, as, and I'm going to go through um, the movie, the, the plot, um, talking about some of these things. In the movie, at the beginning, Anastasia Steele uh, is this senior college student about to be graduated, and um, naive, um, uh, even though she hasn't had an easy life. Her mother was married to four men. Her father died when she was a baby. And um, she did love her stepfather, the next man her mother married. But then there were two men after that. And so she has not had an easy life, even though she seems somewhat naive and uh, innocent. And she is a virgin. Um, and um, But... But as the movie starts, she goes along uh, with some of Christian Grey's, you know, um, uh, exploits, some of the things that where he's beginning to gradually show her what he has in mind uh, for their relationship. But the thing that's missing is that a lot of guys seeing this movie will miss the fact that for the most part, she is going along with the different... Um, uh, activities that um, sadistic activities that Christian Grey perpetrates on her because because of two main well a few main reasons one because she was a virgin and he awakens her sexuality two because she does early early on in the movie you could even say you might argue it even from the first scene even when she first meets him and uh, falls uh, literally falls on the ground. Um, that she she is falling madly in love with him, and then the third reason is related to her mother, who hasn't really given her much attention throughout her life, and Christian Gray, it could be argued, actually becomes somewhat of a stalker. Um, you know, he has ways because he has all this money and all this power and all these people working for him. Um, it's not hard for him to find out where Anastasia is all the time, and he shows up at various places from from the uh, hardware store that she works at part-time to even in Georgia. He surprises her. She goes uh, home to see her mother in Georgia to try to get away from him for a while to clear her head, and he sends her a text talking about her drinking Cosmos, and, um, and clearly, you know, it's because he's, he's right there in the, in the restaurant, and he's seeing what she's drinking with her mother. So... Um, so she, you know, is here's a man, here she's used to growing up. Her mother is so neglectful of her that she doesn't even come to Anastasia's graduation, college graduation, and she has a lame excuse that her, you know, current husband, her fourth husband, um, hurt himself playing golf, and so she has to stay home with him. I mean, instead of going to her daughter's college graduation, that, that pretty much um, tells you just, you know, where her mother's priorities are. So here's a man who is essentially stalking her, and she hasn't had this attention throughout her life, um, not to mention his other qualities. You know, obviously, she's, she's, um, it, the movie shows that she's not really very well off, and, and of course, going into his world 
where there is all of this luxury and so on, and he showers her with presents from the beginning. You know, there are a lot of things that make being in a relationship tempting um, with him, but it really is, you really do get a sense that she has fallen in love with him. It's not because of his money or because of his power. I mean, yes, all those things are very alluring, but, um, but you know, her, her love for him is genuine and uh, authentic, and that's why it makes it so difficult for her to say no as he escalates um, the different kinds of, of S&M, BDSM activities that he's perpetrating with her. Um, so, so that's the problem. The problem is that guys, you know, couples seeing this movie or guys seeing this movie um, will, will fail to notice <laughs> or um, won't want to notice that the only reason why Anastasia is going along with all of this is not because she's really enjoying it, I mean, at the beginning, it's a little titillating, and it's a little, you know, the sex as a whole is a new experience for her, and of course, it's pleasurable and so on. And so she's willing to to um, try different things. And at the beginning, like being tied up with his necktie um, while having sex, isn't really that um, distressing to her. Isn't really such a big deal. But as it goes on, um, she does become a little more uh, distressed, and particularly in the final scene where he um, whips her six times, full force. You know, you, you, the movie shows his face. He's sweating. He's, he's really into this, and clearly how he looks in, that, in those scenes at the end, you know, you see the depth of what a sick puppy he is because clearly these whippings, um, he is identifying with the aggressor. He is identifying with the abuse that he suffered as a child. And I'll tell you more about that. But anyway, in the final scene, and yes, I know, spoiler alert and all that, um, when he is whipping her, because finally she asks him, you know, she's going back and forth, she doesn't want to sign the agreement with him um, as to what this kind of relationship is going to be like, the punishments and so on. And she hems and haws and doesn't sign it. But finally, in the, in the final scenes, um, she says to him, I want to know what the worst is, um, you know, before she can make up her mind as to whether she wants to sign it or not or whether she wants to agree to continue the relationship or not. Um, she, has, she wants to see what is the worst. And so he takes her into his um, room of pain or, you know, pleasure <laughs> and uh, where he has all of his BDSM toys stored and of course it's quite an quite a, an arrangement you know not not your typical um, he has pretty much everything that you could have and um, and he and he beats her he whips her with a belt with full force and um, she is in complete pain and she's you know she's crying and it is not pain pleasure I mean it's not a pain that she enjoys and she gets up from the from the bench that he has her bent over and um, and has the strength to walk out. You know, she tells him, no, I don't want to be punished. Why do you want to do this to me? Why do you want to see me like this? Um, why do you have this need to punish me? And this is how you want me to be with you. And she didn't want to have anything of it. Um, so in the very end, she walks out. You know, it's in, there's an elevator scene. An elevator closes. She's inside the elevator, and he's outside. And that is a meant to be the sort of a bookend to a scene early in the movie where um, she first goes to see him at his office, 
And there's an elevator scene, and, you know, she says goodbye, Christian, and he says goodbye, Anastasia, and, and that's how it is at the end scene as well. So the movie is well, you know, pretty well done as a movie. Certainly, it's, it's, the cinematography is incredible. Um, but so, you know, it has this bookend, neat little finish and so on. And she is strong enough to leave. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that for so many guys watching this movie, um, they, they won't, won't pick up on um, or, or won't care that the woman really isn't enjoying this. And so many women are so desperate to keep their boyfriends or keep their husbands, keep their men, that they won't tell them, no, I, I'm not in for this. I'm not okay with this. This has gone too far. I'm out of here. And that's the problem. You know, some women, some people are saying it's a, it's a movie that shows empowerment of Anastasia and all that. And yes, when she walks out, you know, she, ha- she comes from this, this meek little girl who first comes to see him to this powerful woman who says no, even though he's, she's madly in love with him and, and, and his, life, his lifestyle, except for the BDSM, and so on. Um, but she has the strength to leave, and that's the problem. How many women seeing this movie will not have the strength to leave? And I unfortunately think that the answer is a lot. We need to take a break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, talking with you today about the movie and the books, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, Erotic Fun, or Sexual Abuse. Um, I am predicting, you, you hear, heard it here first, or maybe you heard it here, um, I don't know if anybody else is saying this, but I am predicting that there will be a rise in instances of domestic violence um, because of people being inspired to uh, copy the movie, and um, men will take it too far, Women will, won't be able to say no because they're afraid of losing their man. 
and I, I think this is going to give the green light to um, a lot of people who will get into trouble. Um, now, you know, it's, it's of course, um, people in the BDSM lifestyle um, don't think that there's anything wrong with any of this, and in fact, we'll go on to talk about um, how this is actually tr- the true release. This is this is pure uh, pleasure, um, and and I'm it's not I'm, it's not exactly that I'm I'm not I'm not I don't want to come off as being judgmental. I probably will, um, but uh, will come off that way. But um, but there are reasons why people engage in that. Now I, I'm all for acting out fantasies, sexual fantasies, as long as no one gets hurt, and that kind of is a problem when you're doing BDSM. Now BDSM that stands for bondage and discipline and sadism and masochism, and um, and there are a lot of different ways of expressing that. Um, but uh, as a psychiatrist, I um, strongly believe that the people who engage in these behaviors are just like people who engage in any behavior. It comes from your childhood, whatever we're talking about. Um, whatever behavior someone is doing as an adult, sexual or, or otherwise, any kind of behavior, it comes from things that have happened to you, traumatic experiences, positive experiences, things that happened to you as a child growing up. And so let's look at, at Christian. And um, uh, I want to mention, first of all, of course, the stars of the, of the movie, Dakota Johnson. She, is, uh, she plays Anastasia, and she does a really beautiful job. Um, she is the daughter of uh, Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith. And, you know, I wondered, um, watching the movie, whether one of the reasons why they chose her, besides her acting abilities, is that she has... Um, these incredible, you know, it's Anastasia Steele is the character's name, and she has these incredible blue-gray steely eyes, um, which, of course, fits in with, you know, Christian Grey and the whole theme and so on. Uh, Jamie Dornan plays Christian Grey. Um, he, I, I, he was not, I think a lot of people, myself included, did not have, did not picture, did not picture a man like him in the role of Christian Grey. When you read the books, um, you know, everyone fantasizes their own Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele. But, but um, I don't really think that, um, that uh, Jamie Dornan fit the picture that most of us had when thinking about Christian Grey. Uh, he, uh, there was just something, um, I don't know, not, uh, not um, maybe not powerful enough or not... Not, I thought it, was, it would be someone blonde and chiseled, like coming from the pages of Gentleman's Quarterly or GQ, and he just didn't fit the role. But, of course, you know, that can, a lot of guys who are into this are, in fact, um, not, not bulky, not, with, not muscled, you know, but, in fact, that that explains, can explain their need for some of these people um, for power and control. Now, um, so, so Christian Gray, let's look at his background. Um, Christian Gray talks about how his mother was a crack addict and a prostitute, and she died when he was four years old. And um, during those four years, um, he was abused. Not, it's, very, it's, it's pretty vague, at least in the first 
book and movie. Um, he, you know, how he was abused, except for the fact that he has burn scars on him. But it seems to imply that he was abused at the hands of the men who, you know, used his mother's services as a prostitute or were her boyfriends or whatever. But she didn't protect him. So he, of course, has a lot of rage towards women. It's like, duh. So, so of course he wants to punish Anastasia. He wants to punish all women. It's not just Anastasia. This is the only kind of relationships he has had. He talks about that, how he's only had uh, dom- relationships where he's the dominant and the woman is submissive. Relationships, you know, um, with women. Uh, I mean, relationships since he grew up. Um, but, but before then, he was abused twice growing up. Um, as I was saying, before he was four years old, he was abused by these men who were with his mother. His mother didn't protect him. So, of course, he wants to punish her for all the pain that he endured. Um, you know, you, you have to wonder, since his mother was a crack addict, could he have been a crack baby? Um, then when he, when he was, um, when he was uh, after his mother died, he was adopted by this affluent family, um, his mother was a doctor. His father was a lawyer. They're, they, you know, we don't see much of them in the movie, but they seem like decent people, and not, you know, they weren't abused. Although, although interestingly, actually, his mother, in a sense, his his adoptive mother neglected him too, in a way. I mean, she <laughs> she's shown to be somewhat overly involved with him, but at the same time, she didn't realize that her friend. Um, turned him into a submissive when he was 15 years old and for six years until he was 21. His mother's, his adoptive mother's friend made him her submissive, her sex slave. And um, she was the dominant one. And so then, of course, what happened is he identified with the aggressor. He became the dominant uh, after that, and the relationships that he has had after that, he says, you know, I, I don't do the boyfriend thing. I'm not, I don't have girlfriends. This is all, you know, it's a, it's a BDSM kind of relationship um, where, where I have to be in control of the woman all the time. I have to know that she wants to do, uh, that she'll do anything and everything that I ask her to do. And that's because he was totally out of control um, during his first four years with this crack addict prostitute mother, and he was completely out of control in this relationship that he had from 15 to 21 with his adoptive mother's friend. So two mothers uh, essentially neglected the facts and didn't protect him from his abusers. So, of course, he is furious <laughs> and wants to punish um, any woman who he is in a relationship with because he's afraid that out of control, if these women get out of control or are not always under his control, they could hurt him or they could allow somebody else to hurt him. So, uh, and, and what's interesting is, like, near the end of the movie, right before the final scene where he's whipping Anastasia, you know, she asks him why he's like this. And um, he says, because I'm 50 shades of effed up. And that, that's like, you know, the key to the movie. That's exactly it. And, um, but she was still willing, Anastasia was still willing to, um, you know, to try to go along with him. Um, but until the final scene where he showed her what his worst could actually be. And, there, and she realized what a sick puppy he was, how this was, why he wanted, how, well, how much he wanted to punish her and how angry he was and how this isn't love. So, um, 
so <laughs> um, let me let me go on to some of the other parts of the of the movie. But I want to. I forgot to give out the telephone number for you to call in. Um, I'm sure I'm alienating a lot of you out there. A lot of you, I'm sure, have. Uh, have different opinions than I do, and that's great. So call in and express your opinion. Have you seen the movie? Um, what did you think of the movie? The number to call in on is 866-472-5788. 866-472-5788. Call in, express your opinion, tell me what you think, especially if you've seen the movie. I really um, would like to know what you think. And um, and again, I am, I am not... Um, I'm certainly not uh, putting down or trying to dissuade you from seeing the movie. I think the movie was really worth seeing. I just don't think that you should do this at home, um, uh, you know, especially when you don't really, especially this is another problem. You know, when people go into the BDSM lifestyle willingly with their eyes open, understanding what it's about and so on, um, that's one thing. But when you see this movie and you think you know what you're doing, <laughs> you know, and you're just, and you just, you know, want to hit somebody or want to be hit or want to have other, um, inflict other kinds of pain or have other kinds of pain be inflicted upon you, that gets into dangerous territory. So, um, let's see. Um, you know, the, the, um, the, the, what, what's also interesting to think about is how male-female relationships today are different. Um, there are a lot of women who complain about men having become too soft and women complaining about having to wear the pants in the relationship. And so some women might well think that they want a man like, like Christian, um, minus the harsh whippings, so that they can surrender to him and go back to being the adored feminine woman in the bedroom. Um, they want to be seduced by a strong, powerful man and put under his spell. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, um, except for when the man then takes, goes too far and takes it as a license to be as abusive and violent as he wants. Um, you know, in my book, Bad Boys, I talk about uh, the Prince of Darkness, who is the abusive man. Um, and women are tempted by these powerful men who want to control them because it makes them feel, makes the woman feel more secure at first, it, as though the man loves them so much that he'll never leave them. But, um, but you know, the, the Prince of Darkness type goes beyond just being powerful, and he becomes physically, emotionally, and sexually abusive to the point of domestic violence. And so that, uh, I also talk about another type of bad boy in my book called Mr. Power Mad. And he's controlling, but he doesn't go as far as being violent or abusive. And so in book one or in, in the movie one, Christian um, Gray seems like more of a Mr. Power Mad type at the beginning until you start seeing more and more of just how far he's willing to go um, with with the kind of pain he wants to inflict. I mean, he's obviously he's obviously um, all out into this and doesn't know how to love. I mean, he you you can kind of see that he recognizes that too. He doesn't he doesn't want Anastasia to touch him, for example. He's afraid of being touched. He's afraid of soft 
caresses. He doesn't, he doesn't understand that. He hasn't had that growing up. So he doesn't know how to appreciate that. He doesn't know how to interpret that as love. I mean, you know, you, presumably his adoptive mother was, you get the feeling that she was a good mother and loving, except for the fact that she kind of missed it when her friend um, uh, turned him into her sex slave. Well, we need to take another break. Um, again, the number, if you'd like to call in and add your comments, your opinions to the conversation, it's 866-472-5788. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Fifty Shades of Grey, erotic fun, or sexual abuse. Now, my guest, um, Clarice Thorne, is the author of The S&M Feminist, and Confessions of a Pickup Artist Chaser. And um, she <laughs> has um, diametrically opposed views on the subject, as I do, so this should make for a lively conversation. Um, uh, why don't I let you uh, introduce y- yourself further than, than um, as the author, or why, you know, how this, well, I guess I should say how, you know, what got you interested in this, subject to begin with that you that you wrote these books and and um, you have a website and and you know this is this is something that's very important to you so what how did you get into that um hi carol yeah uh, this is clarice Thorne. my book the s&m feminist is available on amazon and i would really encourage people to check it out if um they're curious about bdsm and aren't sure where to go for real commentary about it 
Um, yeah, we can get into my experience a little bit, but I do want to say, uh, start out by saying that Fifty Shades of Grey is a really terrible example of a BDSM relationship. I don't agree with the way that BDSM is portrayed in the book at all. I think it's more of a fantasy, and it's not a real way to go about things. Um, and, in fact, it backs up a lot of really negative stereotypes about BDSM, which are untrue, including one that you also backed up during this show, Dr. Carroll. Um, so... One thing that the book talks about is how the main character, Christian Grey, has a history of childhood abuse. And actually, there's quite a lot of research that shows that BDSM people, for the most part, have not been abused as children. In fact, the rate of abuse as children in the BDSM population is the same as regular people who don't do BDSM. So actually, that's completely false, and it's been disproven by research, and I'm really offended and annoyed that you decided to back that up in your show without doing any research at all. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. First of all, I have done a lot of research. So I was a consultant to a movie that talked about this subject, so not Fifty Shades. Um, but um, So yes, I have done a lot of research, and yes, there is controversy about it. Notably, the people who engage in that lifestyle don't, are very opposed to psychiatrists, um, c- considering this is some kind of um, some kind of a psychological problem. And, because it's um, not. That's why we're opposed to it. We're opposed to it for the same reasons that gay people are opposed to having their stuff seen as a psychological problem. Well, the current. Let me read the current. The uh, DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. The Diagnostic uh, and Statistical Manual used to include homosexuality. And yes, it's it did. a lot of things that are no longer accepted as psychological diseases. And it has been widely critiqued by a number of experienced psychiatrists. Okay. Um, I'm just reading what it, has, what it changed with homosexuality and now similarly with sexual masochism and sexual sadism. It is in the DSM, um, but what it says as far as the diagnostic criteria, there are two main criteria. One is over a period for a sexual masochism disorder is over a period of at least six months recurrent and intense sexual arousal from the act of being humiliated, beaten, bound, or otherwise made to suffer as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. And second criteria, the fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And similarly, for the sexual sadism disorder, it has um, sort of parallel criteria. So, yes, the idea, you know, how it is now in the, it didn't used to be this way, but how it is now in the DSM is that if it is um, causing distress in one's life. But... Yes, I'm actually aware of that. I have done a lot of research on this as well. And, for example, homosexuality and plenty of other disorders have been classified as disorders only if they cause distress. Now, the problem with that, as I'm sure you're aware, is that a, an alternative sexual preference can cause distress when there's still nothing wrong with it. Gay people can be distressed because they're being shut out of proms or because their parents are angry at them or for all kinds of reasons that have to do with social stigma and don't have to do with being gay. And it's the same with BDSM. And that's why there's a problem with that diagnosis. And that's why BDSMers are resisting it. And again, there is a significant amount of research that is well vetted and well done that has shown that BDSMers do not have a history of childhood abuse. Okay, well, there is also a lot of research and a lot of uh, theory and so on that goes the other way. But, but, like but, but I know on, on your, I've, I've read a lot on your web, website and um, a lot of our articles or your commentaries and so on, and you talk quite openly about 
about your own experience of first um, getting into BDSM or your own coming out, as you describe it. Could you tell us about that? How old were you? I was 20. Um, I had my first BDSM, my first heavy BDSM experience when I was 20. I had experimented with it a little bit before then, but I hadn't found it particularly satisfying. And so I had the first one that really affected me when I was around 20. I had a partner who was really into it. Uh, this partner was not a particularly good guide, so it was very good for me that um, I went and investigated the rest of the community and read books and didn't take him as my main source, which is, in fact, one problem with Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, Anastasia basically takes Christian as her main source. There are a couple of places where he tells her to do research, um, but for the most part, she doesn't really read books. She doesn't seek out other people in the community. She doesn't look for alternate perspectives, and she doesn't seem to try very hard to think about other ways that it could be done. Well, and she so wants all of the to things change that make her uncomfortable in that relationship, she, she assumes hoping. are necessary for a relationship with she's, DSM, which is not the case. Yes, it's because she's hoping all along that um, that she'll be able to change him into a normal boyfriend. You know, she wants to change him all all along, and she's just sort of giving in um, with the hopes that that she, they can. She talks about having regular date nights and so on. So, okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your your own story. Um, and honestly, I am pretty annoyed also by the idea that a non-BDSM boyfriend would be a normal boyfriend. Well, quote, single quotes, normal. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's it. Did you want more details? I mean, I well, had like I yeah. had a really strong coming into it experience. I realized that it was something that I really needed. It was a really difficult transition, partly because of all the stigma and difficulty around BDSM that's backed up by these social fables, like it must come up from childhood abuse, like that claim that you're making on this show. Those kinds of stories make it a lot harder for people like me to deal with it when we do come into it. And it takes us a long time to handle our desires and to figure out how to deal with them in a healthy, consensual, awesome way because of these fake stories that are propagated by irresponsible people. Well, you know, as a psychiatrist, I have treated um, numerous people um, who have been into various sexual lifestyles and or even... for. Um, even just in general, not, not even sexual lifestyles, but just sexual problems um, of one sort or another, even, you know, straight people with um, various sexual problems. And you can always trace whatever it is back to something in their childhood. It's not just, I'm not picking on BDSM. Um, you can trace anything to someone's childhood if you try hard enough. You can trace the fact that I like the color white to something white in my childhood. You can make up stories for anything. Well, okay, so what, what was it that you, so you had this one experience, this, well, it wasn't one experience, it was, it was this original um, set of experiences or your introduction was with a guy who, who wasn't, who was, who was kind of, I guess, from what, what you wrote, kind of sadistic in general, um, not just, um, not just in, in regard to BDSM, but he was, he, he didn't treat you well in general. And so then how did you, what do you g- get out of, what do you get out of these kinds of relationships with the subsequent guys that you were with um, that is more pleasurable or um, better in some way than what's called in the movie or in the book vanilla sex? Well, as it happens, like a lot of BDSMers, I am perfectly capable of indulging in vanilla sex, and I do frequently, and I enjoy it. So I don't see BDSM as better than vanilla sex, frankly. Um, I do enjoy BDSM. I think it's very important to me. I think it's very important to a lot of people in the community. Um, My original BDSM partner, as you know, was not a particularly good partner. 
And primarily the reason I wrote up that story eventually was that I wanted to show that if you are having BDSM experiences with a partner who's not good for you, you don't have to stick with that partner. You can go find a better one. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I think this is what Anastasia should have done in Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, if you have, like, it's not all or nothing. The first person that you get with doesn't have to be your partner for the rest of your life. And if they're doing a lot of things that you don't like, it doesn't have to be part and parcel of the experience. So to answer the rest of your question, when I have a BDSM experience with a partner who I love and who I am very invested in and who I've discussed things with ahead of time and who understands my needs and cares about me, there's a tremendous amount of intimacy and beauty in the experience. And I don't necessarily expect anybody who hasn't done it or who hasn't given it, like, an open mind to understand that. But I do expect them to respect that other people are capable of it. To respect that other people are capable of it, did you say? Yes. Uh-huh. And, in fact, there is research also that shows that consensual BDSM can lead to intimacy. It's been quite strongly researched, like people have measured people's hormone levels and gone into dungeons and seen what's happening with people physiologically to try and understand this experience. Well, you now, know, there's nothing... The okay, let me clarify. Whether, there's nothing no, wrong me, with people engaging in any kind of sexual... experience. is an okay relationship. It is wait, separate from that question. Wait, that wait, relationship wait. is not there, good. It's not well-structured. There are plenty of people who have bad relationships, and somebody will claim... Sometimes they'll claim that that's BDSM, or they'll claim that their abuse is BDSM, but it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to make it clear that any um, sexual behavior between two consenting adults is not abuse, you know, or not domestic violence, um, but, but that's kind of the point. It's two consenting adults. I mean, people can have fantasies, and if they get pleasure out of it, for whatever reason, <laughs> based in their childhood or not, um, you know, th- there's not a problem with it. The problem only comes when people go beyond that point and one person isn't consenting anymore. Yeah, that is a problem. And sometimes people stop consenting. Sometimes people stop consenting and know the relationship too. There are people who stay together for their children. They're not, they no longer really want to be in the marriage, but they still have kids and so they stay together. Is that like an abusive relationship? Would you speak out against that? In the no. same way that you're speaking out against BDSM right now, would you say that no one should ever do it? Well, it's not... People make compromises in relationships. I'm not saying that people should stay in relationships that are abusive or that are terrible. Like, I am not saying that. And nobody says that in the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. Well, there's... There, people in the BDSM community, one of the things that they talk about is a kind of um, release or relaxation or um, increased... Uh, you want to call it increased intimacy, when there is this, when you have to put, when when there's this power exchange and you have to put, or you do put, um, trust in the person to not overstep the boundaries. Um, Is that something that you, you know, is that something that makes, that contributes to making it pleasurable for you? Yeah, definitely. The trust is a big deal. The intimacy is a big deal. The relaxation is a big deal. A lot of the time what people are doing with BDSM is activating a lot of endorphins and a lot of chemicals that have really interesting effects. It's like a roller coaster ride. People go on roller coasters and they are really like feeling really weird afterwards, you know, but a lot calmer and often kind of like happy. That's like why people go on roller coaster rides. It's not because the roller coaster ride itself is so great. It's because afterwards you feel amazing. 
Okay, well, we need to take a break. Um, my guest is Clarice Thorne. Her book is, books are called The S&M Feminist and Confessions of a Pickup Artist Chaser. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it. That's Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Fifty Shades of Grey, erotic fun or sexual abuse. My guest in this half of the show... Um, who had, who has definitely objected to much of what I said in the first half of the show is Clarice Thorne. She is the author of The S&M Feminist and Confessions of a Pickup Artist Chaser. So during the break, Clarice, we were talking about how, um, so far we haven't talked about, um, safe words and also negotiating the power contract. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I would say that if people want to have a BDSM relationship, it's really, open and honest and that everybody is getting what they need out of, then they probably want to use safe words. Um, and just in case anyone in the audience doesn't recognize what they are, a safe word is a word that you can say at any time to stop the action. Now, in the BDSM community, there are sort of standard safe words. A lot of people use the word red for the color red um, to stand in for their safe word. A lot of the time, people also use a kind of stoplight system. So they'll say yellow or they'll say amber. Um, if they want their partner to slow down. That makes mm-hmm. sense. It's like red, mm-hmm. yellow, green. Right. So red is like, stop right now. Yellow is like, okay, I'm not sure about this. And then green is like, okay, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people use that system. Another system that people use, which is a little bit more complicated, is that sometimes people use checklists of sexual acts um, in order to sort of go through a lot of the different things that they might want to do together. And a lot of the time, this approach really helps the conversation flow smoothly, and it helps people not get stressed out and um, not pressure each other too much. So in Fifty Shades, a lot of what happens is very, like, unilateral. Like, Christian Grey comes into it with his contract, and he's, like, very demanding about the contract, and Anastasia feels weird about pushing back on certain aspects of the contract. And it's not as much of a conversation, 
that you can have a conversation with one of these checklists if you want to, right, or in any other way, where you just try to make it really open and you try to give your partner a lot of opportunities for feedback and to have your partner build the experience with you together. Specifically, the way these checklists are structured. Frequently, they'll have a lot of sexual acts on them. So, for example, you'll have tying someone up on the list or you'll have whipping or you'll have different activities. And each partner will rate them one to five so that they can see what one partner is interested in versus the other partner and see the places where they match up. I talk about this a lot in my book, The S&M Feminist, and I also talk about a lot of other like ways of communicating. But the big thing is always that initial conversation and the fact that people can set hard limits and feel like they are able to set hard limits and aren't going to be punished or aren't going to have a hard time because there are things that they don't want to do. Okay. Um, I mean, of course... I mean, that's, I mean, being punished is part of it, though. Sure, but you want to be punished in a way that you can feel comfortable with afterwards. I mean, the punishment might not be comfortable in the moment, but it shouldn't make you feel bad about the relationship later. That's the difference. You shouldn't be punished for having a boundary, but a punishment should happen when it's understood that it's not harmful to the structure of the relationship. Okay. Well, thank you for contributing um, this. And again, um, if anybody would like to read more about this, Clarice's books are called, that's Clarice Thorne, T-H-O-R-N, and her books are called The S&M Feminist and Confessions of a Pickup Artist Chaser. Thank you, Clarice, for being uh, so open and honest about all of this. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's... <laughs> It's really, uh, I mean, sex is a very, <laughs> sex is a very complex subject, and the things that go into what makes one person find pleasure in one thing and another person find pleasure in something else and not that, and I mean, it's all very complex, and yes, <laughs> and yes, as a psychiatrist, I can't help but um, interpret these things in terms of, of how, what happened to you as a child. For example, you know, this whole idea of spanking and punishment, um, Freud, uh, you know, discovered a hundred years ago that um, sex and violence, uh, the sex and violence centers or aggressive centers in the brain are very close together, are very connected. And so when a little child is, is um, spanked, for example, um, let's say a little girl is spanked, sometimes it can activate the sexual pleasure zone uh, totally unconsciously. And um, when she grows up, that um, unconscious connection that has been made may well un- predispose her to finding a pleasure in, um, in spanking, you know, as a sexual activity, a sexual game. And I'm certainly not here to tell people um, what they should or shouldn't enjoy as far as sexual activities or what sexual toys. I mean, you know, it's, it's great that, um, that this has opened up more of a discussion, that this movie, that the books and so on, <laughs> as poorly written as they were, um, uh, have, have, have opened up this discussion of these different forms of sexuality. And that's fine. But my, my only concern is that everybody is going into it with their eyes wide open, you know, not eyes wide shut, like that movie, um, and, and that people only do things that they really do find pleasurable. And again, Anastasia was doing this 
was 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 going along um, with each increase in the um, in the more sadistic kinds of activities that Christian Grey, that Christian Grey was perpetrating because she loved him. She was in love with him. It was a new everything. Her sexuality had been awakened, as I was saying before, and because she was hoping to to turn him into this more traditional kind of boyfriend. And it's interesting because she was trying to change him that way, and he was trying to change her. Um, into someone who uh, had didn't have a problem going along with his, you know, red room of pain and and all the different sex toys and all the different uh, ways that he wanted to punish her. So they were each trying to change the other, even though, um, you know, he was trying to. He denied. Uh, I mean, she said to him, you're, "I'm not what you want," and he said, "Oh no, you're exactly what what I want." And he was obsessed with her. She was something really special to him. Um, you know, I think her her having been a virgin, her having been, um, you know, uh, naive in some ways, but then spunky and and uh, um, challenging in other ways. I, I mean, it, you know, there was a lot. She was just a very she was very lovable, and um, and so so you know, in a sense. But he's saying he didn't want to change her, but he did. He wanted to change her to be able to go along to be the submissive to his dominant because that was the only way that he could express any kind of, you know, maybe whatever he, he could express. I don't want to call it love, really. I don't know that, but, but any, to have any kind of a relationship, any kind of connection to another, to a woman. And um, he was sort of trapped in his way of being, and she was trapped in the sense that she, you know, she was drawn to him like a moth to a flame because, um, because she, was, she, she had fallen in love with him. So that's the, the tension. The tension between the two of them, each of them wanting to change the other, is what drives the movie. And again, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only trying to, to, um, to issue a warning, don't do this at home if, um, if this isn't something that you want to do. It's fine to you know, play with sex toys. If, if two people want to play with sex toys, great. You know, if you get more pleasure, more intimacy, whatever it is that you get that you enjoy more, if you want to add spice to a relationship, Fine, no problem. The problem only comes when it be when when someone is so caught up in wanting to be punitive to when it, when a guy is so caught up in wanting to be punitive to a woman that um, it, it's not sex play anymore. It is domestic violence, domestic abuse, and so I'm just kind of um, just kind of shouting out a warning. That um, so everyone kind of go see the movie. It's a really good movie. I said at the beginning I saw it twice. <laughs> um, you know, but but think about it and don't be coerced um, into doing anything sexually, whether you're the man or the woman. Um, it could go the other way too. Whether you're the man or the woman, don't be co- coerced into doing anything sexually that you are not comfortable with. That's the end of the story. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host. Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.